Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm Mark Bergen. He's Ike Taylor. IT, it's been too many moons since I've seen your face. I hope you had a terrific 4th of July holiday weekend. How are you doing this morning, my man? I'm doing good. We just got off a, a beach workout this morning. Had a beach workout yesterday. It's 90-some degrees in Florida, but, you know, it felt like 110. But other than that, you know, Taylor's, we stay working. Yeah, that humidity is no joke on the beach. I can, the sand is the great equalizer. I can tell you that much. Oh, I mean, just from walking on the sand, like you didn't found out some muscles or some ligaments in your body. You didn't even know that you had when you're coming off that sand workout. And you don't feel it's, it to the next day. Yes, yes. It's after the fact. Like day oh, yeah. of, you're like, oh, I'm okay. And then the next day, it's just like, why am I sore in this place of my body? For real, that's exactly how I feel. Ike, I hope you are well. It is good to see you. We have an absolutely loaded show. I am fired up today. We'll answer listener questions, viewer questions during our What Yins Think segment. We'll also talk about Netflix and the series. On the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, I think they should have picked the Steelers, but we start. Ike, Kenny Pickett is taking a page out of your book. Back in your playing days, you had music and iPod Nano synced up to your helmet. He's got a camera during practices, uh, yet another development tool for the second-year quarterback. But Ike, as soon as I saw this headline, I thought of you. Yeah, so that, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm guessing, Mark, that's the new wave. You know, the first person I saw that, at least nationally, what they talked about was uh, Tua down there in mm-hmm. Miami. He had a, he had a camera um, cam on his helmet for the Miami Dolphins, and, you know, Kenny Pickett doing the same. But if you think about it, man, that's just an extra step. Uh, especially when it comes down to film study, practice study, on what a quarterback might be looking at and how you can teach first, second, third read, um, especially coming off of coverages and depending on what the play is. So uh, just an extra tool in the toolbox. Uh, technology is, 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 is so helpful these days, Mark. And the only thing I can think about is, you know, a lot of other teams with young quarterbacks, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Indy do it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Carolina Panthers start to do it. Just to enhance these young kids, these young men, especially at that quarterback position, Mark, on actually when you watch tape, seeing exactly what they're looking at. So, you know, I'm a visual learner. So at the quarterback position, that's definitely going to give them a visual uh, aspect on what they first, second, or third read, especially coming from that quarterback cam helmet. I think about the pre-snap reads as well and the pre-snap alignments of defenses and where your eyes are as a quarterback, Ike. And that's what I think of when I read this. Now, I thought it was very interesting that Kenny Pickett says, I would love to get a similar camera on Steelers all-pro safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, to learn to see how he is a ball hawk as a defensive player and teach some of the same things, but what he's doing on the other side of the football, Ike. Yeah, you know, you know, Minka ain't nothing but a quarterback on the defensive side as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's just something you can't teach with Minka, and that's instincts, you know. So that's why um, if you just go back, Coach T said he saw this before. What he meant by that is I seen a guy with instincts, and the first guy I saw who was very instinctive was Troy Polamalu, Hall of Famer. So when you look at Minka, man, yeah, it'll look good from the from the cam, from the helmet cam point, point of view. But when it comes down to them instincts, not a lot of 
you know, players, especially at that position, are very instinctive like that. So that's what makes, you know, make it so different, Mark. I also think about this as a way to where if Kenny Pickett is doing something particular that could potentially be a tell pre-snap, that this would help be able to eliminate that. And Ike, as someone who played cornerback 12 years in the NFL, were there times you could pick up on a tell of a quarterback or of an opposing offensive player based on your film study? Yeah, well, for, for us, um, Coach Ray Harden, I got to tip my hat out to Coach Ray Harden, my DB coach. He just simplified the game so fast. You know, I picked on a, I picked up a few tennises when it came to, like, you know, a receiver or a tight end or personnel. But once Coach Ray Horton came through, he was like, man, we're always playing offensive coordinator. It was like, what you mean by offensive coordinator? He was like, offensive coordinators always have tendencies on first, second, and third down. Then after you look at their tendencies, he said, pick out five plays. Five plays with the court, being with the offensive coordinator like they do on first down, second down, and third down. Now, they're going to get to their plays out of different formations. But, yeah, you got to respect the receiver you're playing, Ike, but the receiver can't run the route unless he gets it from the offensive coordinator. So just look at the OC. Let's see what the OC tendencies are. And once he broke it down to us like that, that's when my game kind of shot up and it slowed down a lot for me because all you're doing is playing just like on the defensive side. Dick LeBeau, Hall of Fame Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau got his tendencies too on first, second, and third down. So it won't nothing but like it's just a, a chess a chess match, I would say. But what I did like about Dickie, Dickie taught us the weakness to our defense so we understood what offense was trying to attack us. But as far as like playing a, playing a receiver, I always respected all receivers, Mark, but I knew they had to get their routes or the quarterback had to call calls depending on what the offensive coordinator did. So we always studied the OC. Correct me if I'm wrong here too, Ike. I'd imagine that that familiarity is even greater among the teams in your division when you're playing them at least two times a year, sometimes during your playing career when you get into the playoffs, like three times in a single season. It's a wrinkle. It's, 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 it's one small wrinkle. And when we played Baltimore three times that year, um, we knew what each other was going to do. We knew all the plays. That's, <laughs> that's why I was low-scoring games. It was just a small wrinkle. And when you play teams like that and you play them twice a year, everything just becomes instinctive, you know? So, and they say football is a game of inches. And when you play the Baltimore's at the time, we was both hot and winning championships, man, it was a game of centimeters because you can be on a receiver. I can be on a receiver and he had no way to catch that ball. And he wound up coming down with the ball and it could have been third or six. So that's, that's what it was. So when you just familiar with each other like that, Mark, it's just who's going to make that one play. And that's when it usually came down to a majority of the times, either that was from special teams, either coming off a kickoff, a punt return, or a field goal. Yeah, Ike, and this technology that Kenny Pickett is using is not new, but it's new to the NFL. Again, Kenny Pickett, Tua Tagovailoa is using it, but all you have to do for Pittsburgh is go across the hallway, and when Nathan Peterman was a quarterback at Pitt, he was using some of this technology during practice just to see, again, a lot of its pre-snap reads, there's only so much that a, a single camera can show you. But if you can know where to go with the football based on the coverage, the alignment of an opposing defense, I think it's going to help any young quarterback, regardless if they're at the collegiate level, regardless if they're at the, they're at the NFL level. Um, 
But again, Ike, taking this back to your playing days too, I saw this and I'm like, Ike might not have had the camera to study after the fact with the virtual reality and practice to get those mental reps, but I know you were locked in the zone listening to Lil Wayne. Uh, I'm sure you had other great rap music on your playlist with an iPod Nano. That was the technology back in the day, like 10 years ago. Man, I couldn't believe I did that. You know, um, I wind up setting my helmet like that and it just put me in the zone um, just for like working out, you know. Yeah, you know, it's, a it's a different kind of workout when you got music. Amen. So I said, you know what? Let me just try to put music in my helmet. So I wind up sliding music in my helmet, Mark. And uh, it's like chewing gum, but you know, we got the mouthpieces in, so you can't chew gum. So it was just like very, very relaxing for me. And at that time, and at that point in my career, uh, we just knew hand signals, you know, between me, Troy, and Ryan Clark, man. All we had to do was just look at each other, Mark. And we understood uh, what each other was was saying. So we didn't have to talk. Um, and that was the camaraderie. That was the brotherhood. And that was countless hours and countless countless days and countless reps to where we just figured it out. But all that started in practice. So uh, me having some music in my helmet, man, I think I'm probably, well, I know I'm probably the only dude who ever did it in the history of football. Yeah, they gotta. someone's got to bring that back. We can be hush-hush about it. We can be quiet cool. about it. And like we go down to your neck of the woods in Louisiana, LSU now has the air conditioning helmets for this upcoming season. Those will last up to five hours. I wonder though, you have to go back to that 2018 game where it was like a seven overtime game against Texas A&M. Does the AC go out, you know, when you get to the third or fourth overtime, Mike, but that's the only other thing I've heard that's even remotely like this is those, air-conditioned LSU helmets, which uh, I guess are pretty cool. You just look at the player's reaction when they actually put the helmet on, Ike, and that that tells the entire story in terms of does this actually work or not? Yeah, so, you know, in Florida, especially down south, Mark, between, I would say, May and stepping into September, September gets cool, that's perfect for anybody. You know, if you're in the southern region and you play football between Texas, you slide all the way over east um, to Florida. When it's hot, man, you put on that AC helmet and it's going to get more popular. A lot of other colleges, they're going to start doing it. But by the end of the day, it just makes sense. You know, the, the cooler you are, um, the more non-fatigue you are, the more you're able to play at a high level. That's what separated the good from the great. Um, they never got fatigued. And when everybody else was getting fatigued, it was like they had more energy than others. Um, and it helps your minerals as well. You know, when you're fatigued, mentally you collapse, you know. So I can only imagine uh, me playing um, with an AC helmet. Man, I ain't no telling how long I could have played for because I always <laughs> thought I was just in shape, period. So, um, you know, technology these days, Mark, is is these kids are getting everything at their, at their disposal, whether it's you go into college and you having a massage therapist or you have something called a car wash or car wash meaning as soon as you get out of practice, you got somebody taking your helmet, taking your shoes, cleaning them. You got a hot tub, cold tub. You got the ice machine. You got pretty much everything at, the, at your disposal when it comes to that. Now we're just going to incorporate a helmet or AC. So time will tell. But, you know, this generation, man, they got everything they're looking for as far as like a football player. 
Ike, we're going to continue this conversation in just a second. We're going to tell our listeners and viewers about betonline.ag, the presenting sponsor of today's Believe in Steelers show. If you want to place a bet on any of the sports action, there are a lot of great NFL futures that you could place a wager on. Betonline.ag is the place to do it. Yeah, make sure y'all go to betonline.ag. Uh, regardless of what sport it is, they're always open 24-7, 365 out the year. Head over to betonline.ag today. Use our promo code BELIEVE. You can see that on your screen right now. B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Ike, did you ever try one of those air-conditioned helmets? I know they're new. No, that's, that's too new for me. I'm too prehistoric for football. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've been retired going on 10 years. So, no, yeah. I never tried. I never had the option. It was never even thought about, to be honest with you, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I saw this and I'm like, is this even necessary? But again, especially in the South, SEC, ACC country, uh, Ike, the region you mentioned, it gets very, very hot. You mentioned it's September, even sometimes into October. It's like, is this the fall or the summer? Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about with all this new technology too, Ike, is when you were going from Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette to the Steelers, what did you notice immediately upon going from playing college football to the NFL where it's like, whoa, at the NFL level, we have way more resources than we do even say in college? It's the culture. You know, I was very fortunate enough. I was very fortunate, Mark, to have Hall of Fame coaches on the offensive staff and defensive staff. And the way they simplified it made me even uh, made my game even better. And but by the end of the day, I just understood you know, as a rookie, it's a business, you know, so there's no such thing as a five, four star, three star athlete. It's man, these guys really feeding their families. These guys been playing for a long time. Um, it's the concrete jungle. So say if you want to say it like that and can't nobody help you but yourself. You know, mama can't help you. Daddy can't help you. Auntie, grandma can't help you. And, and that's how I looked at it. But by the end of the day, I just caught on real fast to understand how big of a business this uh, NFL was. So once I understood that, um, going towards the end of my rookie year, I was like, this is what it is. So that's, and that's what I would say to any rookie, understand the business side of this football. It's not fair at all. But uh, all you can do is make sure your coach um, understand and is very comfortable with you playing on the field. If it's 60 plays, they feel comfortable on the field with you playing 60 plays because you know your playbook. What was the most difficult thing for me, Mark, was the double-digit calls. You know, Coach LeBeau came in with double-digit calls. And what I mean by that, we can have two calls on one call, depending on what the offense did, depending on the formation, depending on the motion. So that was that was a big adjustment for me as far as, like, calls in the tight windows. Quarterbacks was throwing the balls in tight windows. You know what I'm saying? What I meant by that is you can be on a receiver, but a receiver's still coming down with the football. So that's exactly what that was. Ike. Terrific insight there, and that's a perfect segue to our What Yins Think segment where we answer some of our viewer questions. And let me make sure I move this around uh, correctly. Give me just a second here. Uh, we start with a question from Terry Breedlove, and this comes with the Steelers adding both Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice Jr. in the NFL draft. Terry asks, how quick can a cornerback out of the draft be an NFL-ready level cornerback that a team can trust uh t terry it's 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 
it's the competition he's going against in practice. And lucky for lucky for JP uh, Junior, he has Kenny. He has uh, Deontay Johnson, who might be one, one of the best underrated route runners in the game. Um, you got Calvin Austin the third, who might be one of the fastest wide receivers in the game. And you have Alien um, George Pickens, who probably <laughs> one of the most freakish wide receivers in the game. So you got three kind of people. Now I'm gonna go back into when I played. I had Plexigo Burris, who was six four, six five. I had Hans Ward, who was probably the toughest um, multi wide receiver you can never go against. And I had Antoine Randall L. So depending on who I played for the week, I wind up going against that person on my team. I was very fortunate at the time to have that. Usually, usually teams don't have them three type of bodies, them three kind of receivers. That's exactly coming to Pittsburgh as a cornerback who you have. You have a freak in George Pickens. You have probably one of the best route runners in Deontay. And Calvin Austin III, probably one of the fastest guys in the NFL once he gets back healthy. And in the slot, we just picked up we just picked up Allen from the LA Rams. So you got a 6'4", 230 receiver as well. So you got pretty much every kind of body you're looking for. So once JP understand that, and I think he will as soon as he get to uh, training camp, like depending on the day or depending on what I want to work on, let me go on these three types or four types of body receivers and to get my game. Because some receivers are going to be fast and others. You can check George Pickens. You can be on him. He's still going to come down with the ball. I know I might got to open up a little bit faster than other receivers than Calvin Austin the third. And I really got to trust my technique when it comes down to Deontay Johnson. So lucky for JP Jr., man, he's going to be straight regardless because he has all them kind of body types when it comes down to the receiver position, which I had when I was playing between Plex Hines, Ward, and Antoine Randall. Ike, at what point, I, I, like I know a young player, let me preface it this way. I know a young player wants to get on the field as soon as he can. But at what point were you like, I'm prepared, I'm ready, it doesn't matter who lines up against me from an offensive standpoint to where I know that not only I belong on the field, but I, I can be a successful player on the field. At what point did you realize that in your young career? The middle of my second year. Like once, once my rookie year was fast, my second year, my sophomore year in the league, it slowed down a lot. Mm. And then once I just got enough reps, game reps, I, I knew, I knew, I knew in my soul, I knew in my body I was ready, you know? So that was for me, but you got to understand too, Mark, I was coming off of just playing one year in college. So technically yep. that was my junior year in college, so say, but my second year in the league, these guys, you know, JP Junior, he been playing corner damn all his life, you know? So he's going, he's going to be a step mm. ahead of me because he's been playing that position longer than me. So his transition might not have to take him to the second year like how it took for me, he can just get it in training camp because he's getting the first or splitting the first team reps right now in OTAs and mini camps. So by the time he get to training camp, which he's been in training camp since he was small, uh, working with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so there ain't nothing but home for him. So once he get in training camp, get his reps, get his feet underneath him, understand how the system going to go, he can get that ace out. You know, for me, it just took longer yeah. because I only played one year in college. Well, you played what the one year in college and you were a running back. So your rookie year with the Steelers was only the second year you played corner, correct? At least full time. Uh, so I played. So full, full time was my senior in college. That was my full time. That was and your only, first. That was your first year. 
Correct. And all that's unbelievable. (laughs) See, you're not like the rest of us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The only thank you. The only coverage we played was man. You know, we we might have sprinkled a little bit cover three and now, but for the Mm. most part, we played man. We ran that four four. We ran that four four. Me and Charles Tilburn ran that four four defense with Coach Gary Bartell, and it's you on him and you on him, and you let the linebackers uh, and the two safeties work. So that's pretty much. It was all for me. I ain't know no better, but man, once I got to the league, you know, you talking about five zones, cover two, cover three, cover four, and I'm like, man, what the hell going on? So <laughs> that's 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 what got me. So just 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 leaving the day. Then Dick LeBeau understood what was comfortable for me, and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna run man because I got a guy. That's all he wants to run. So let's start finding us man corners when it comes down to the draft. So that's exactly what it was, you know. So. Uh, JP Julia, he gonna get an ASAP because he's been doing it. He's been around the game. He's been in the locker room, Mark. He's been on the big stages of around the big stages, winning Super Bowls and blase blase. So JP Junior gonna be straight. But that was the transition for me only because I played one year at corner. One thing I noticed with what Omar Khan did in this draft too, both Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr. as well, like they're bigger corners as well. They're not undersized at all. They're both six foot plus so it's just something i've noticed here in terms of how the nfl is changing and it's like uh i think i heard you say this i know mike tomlin has said has said this too uh almost like avatars in terms of the the length you get the size and the speed and being able to jam a receiver at the line of scrimmage being able to play off whatever style you want to play you're able to do that with bigger corners because if you want to play man, then you got to throw over the top and you get a long reach with the corner versus say a corner. That's a little bit more undersized. That window is just a little bit bigger, that catch radius for a receiver. Uh, not to say that young corners or undersized corners can't get it done in the league, but right, right. it's something that I'm noticing with what the strategy was with the type of corners that the Steelers brought in this off season. You play for your division. You got to see them twice. And when you win at your division, it's an automatic spot in the playoffs. So you always drive towards your division. And if you look at that division, we got some hell of a receivers, um, especially nowadays. Now in Baltimore, OBJ, they picked them up as well. You get Zay sitting in the slot. Then when you go to, uh, you still got Cooper um, sitting over there with the Browns. Then, you know, they got probably one of the, one of the best trios in the NFL, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals between T, Chase and uh, I'm missing my slot. Boyd. And, and, and Tyler Boyd. Yep. So, yeah, you always draft for your division. Um, always, because you see them twice. And that's that's how I was raised. You know, you're, we're always getting corners to play guys in your division. You win in your division. Regardless of what you do outside of your division, um, you can have a bad record outside of your division. But, hell, if you go 6-5 and know your division, that's an automatic berth when it comes down to the playoff spot. So, and that's what they went back to. They went to young, tall, physical receivers. Um, the ball had to be thrown perfect. You know, if you want to go deep, deep, the ball got to be thrown perfect. If that avatar is close to one of those receivers, he can easily get his hands in there and knock the ball out. If he's in good position, he's going to pick the thing off, Mark. So that's that's all yeah. we do. When you're talking about from a GM perspective, you always draft them for your division because that's all you talk about from a front office or a scout standpoint. Man, who, who can I draft to help us in our division and what's the personality going to be like. Thank you to Terry for that question. We will continue on. And we've got another question from Stephen Carpenter 
And I, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here because I know that the Steelers always draft well at receiver. But Steven asks, who are a couple receivers and tight ends that Ike hated to go up against where their footwork and route running gave you headaches or a physical guy who made it hard to go up and contest catches. Thanks guys. Love the show. Um, no, I, I wouldn't say, Hey, it was always, I love challenges, but that young man, uh, Martavis Bryant that we had, um, you want to talk about six, three and a half, two ten, two fifteen, who can run, uh, uh, vertically, but also as well, Mark, the boy had wiggle like he was a little man, and he can definitely jump out the gym. That was Tate. You want to talk about one of the most physical receivers? That was Heinz Ward. Um, you didn't want to piss him off. You didn't want to wake him up because he just had that running back slash quarterback mentality. You get the ball in my hands, I'm going to make a play, I'm going to run your ass over. That was Heinz. You want to talk about pound for pound, probably one of the best breaking out a tackle or just run a slant and taking it to the house, that was Antonio Holmes. You want to talk about uh, by far, who, which he probably go, he'd just be doing some off-the-wall stuff off the field. That's Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown for a six-year span. Well, nobody in the league uh, doing what he did. So I was very fortunate enough to go against receivers like that, all different kind of receivers as well. But, you know, I played against the Randy Mosses, the, Smith, the Steve Smith Juniors. I played uh, the Chad Ochos, like, R.I.P. to Chris Henry's like I played against some 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 Hall Terrell Owens. I played against some Hall of Fame receivers, the late Jerry Rice when he was on the back end when he was with the Raiders. So I had my fair share um, of of receivers. Mark and all of them brought something different to the table. So I wouldn't say uh, even 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 Aaron Hernandez um, probably probably was the most trouble. I ain't gonna say probably was the most trouble. You know, Aaron Hernandez would have kept his head straight. Ain't no telling where he, he was going yeah. directly to the Hall of Fame. As soon as he hung his cleats up, that's how special he was. So I played against him. Antonio Gates was a dog. Tony Gonzalez was a dog. So I played I played against, even when we had Heath Miller sitting on, a, on our sideline and training camp was a damn dog. So that's, that's just what it was, man. In my era, I just played against him some receivers who just pretty much bought everything different to the table and tight ends. You know, back in the day, you know, our tight ends, they had to block, whether regardless of what team you was on, whether you was blocking or you receiving. I think Tony Tony Gonzalez probably, probably would have been the first flex receiver when it came down to it. He did it for a long time. Antonio Gates only played, you know, tight end for one year. He played basketball, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's just show you, you know, the athleticism of guys I played when I played in the NFL. Were those players that when you were designing a game plan in advance of the game where it's like nowhere this guy is lined up on Every- the field? Like, I think we lost you for just a second, but we are, we will get you back okay. here. When you were game planning, were those players where it's like nowhere they're at on the field in advance of the game? Yeah. Oh, every, I mean, the guys I'm, the guys I just named were yeah. Hall of Fame guys. So if you ain't know what a Hall of Famer was, you just looking for a, a yep. recipe of, of distraction to, to get burnt. You know what I'm saying? So you had to know what those guys I just named were, where, where they was at all the time. Yeah, Ike, you're in my brain a little bit there, which is a dangerous place to be, but we always talk about 
the criteria for Hall of Fame players. And you always tell me, well, it's like, well, did we game plan for that specific player or not? And obviously you're going to know that having spent 12 years in the league. Uh, Ike, we will end on a fun one during our What Yins Think segment. I absolutely love this question. And this comes from Steelers Nation Australia. Ike, I don't know if you knew that we have fans in Australia here on the Believe in Steelers show. They ask, if you had to choose of these two options, you can fight two male kangaroos or James Debo Harrison after he ran his 99-yard interception return in Super Bowl 43. Which are you picking? Yeah, I'm going with B. I'm fighting Debo after the 99 yards because mm. he was he was tired as hell. So that's the only that's that's the only time I'm fighting. You know, uh, Debo. I'm gonna catch him. I'm gonna catch him at that 99 yard interception for that Super Bowl for sure. Ike, I hate to agree with you. Did some research on this. Apparently, a kangaroo can run something like 30, 35, 40 miles per hour at top speed. So even if I had your speed, I wouldn't be able to run away. I would pick Harrison immediately after the interception return because I know the quote he had during a football life that he told Mike Tomlin saying, hey, I'm tired, boss, immediately uh, after he needed oxygen on the sidelines. Yeah, I ain't trying to run away from no kangaroos. They definitely got showed on, so I'll punch one of them in the face mm. probably go to sleep. But I'm definitely taking Debo with B because I saw Debo on his last breath when it came down to the 99 <laughs> yards, and I figure I got some kind of action. Yeah, yeah. One of the most iconic plays in Super Bowl history. And here's the thing, too, with this question, the way that it's phrased, Ike. I would pick B, and then immediately as soon as Harrison would get started his oxygen back, I'd realize that and be like, it's time to go. I got to leave before he can get his full win back, and I'm out of there. So it just says that I have to fight one of the two. It doesn't say I have to win set fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Debo when he's on the ground. I'm not about to wait mm. till he get up. Mm. You know, when he's down on the ground and he's stretched out like he's in the snow about to do the snow angel, that's exactly where I'm going. Ike, that's what Yins think. Love this segment. Thank you for that question. And Steelers Nation Australia, listening all the way on the other side of the blue marble. Love that. Final segment of the show today. Netflix is making a 10-part documentary series on Jerry Jones and the Cowboys Kudos to one of the most successful sports owners in the history of not just the NFL, but all sports. But I, I, you know, I go back to back in the 1970s when Pete Rosella saying, we want to brand America's team. And he goes to the chief Art Rooney senior and says, do we want to be this for the Pittsburgh Steelers? And he says, no, we just want to be Pittsburgh's team. And I know your 2000 Steelers teams. Like I know you got stories. We've had your teammates on here on this show. Hilarious, great stories. But there is a gold mine of stories, both on the field and off with the 1970s team. I don't even know where you want me to start, but if Netflix is doing a 10-part documentary series on the Cowboys, love to see the 1970s Steelers get their due. I know they do in the 412, Ike, but listen, man, like I've got a whole list of storylines that you could discuss from the 1970s, Ike. You talking about for for I mean let's let let's let's go with Jerry. This is actually what Jerry wants. All about Jerry. <laughs> you know this 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 yeah. right this is right up his alley. Um, you know when you think of the Dallas Dallas Cowboys, you think about Jerry Jones, right? And you, and you and you look at the history um, on him, how he got the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and exactly where they was at to where they are now. 
Uh, when you want to talk about branding, uh, nobody does it better than Jerry Jones when it comes down to the branding part, correct? So you got to tip your head off to Jerry. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we just made different. You know, the the, the late great um, godfather, our godfather, godfather football, I would say, and Mr. Art Rooney, um, Chief, he just wanted he just wanted the world to know this is all about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it had nothing to do with him. So mm-hmm. that's the difference between the two different kind of uh, owners at the time. Now, Jerry Jones, when you want to talk about guys who played for Jerry Jones, guys love playing for Jerry Jones. That's just that's just what it is. But I can see Netflix doing the series and getting the rights for Jerry Jones because you know it's all about Jerry. When you want to talk about the Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. It's just our mentality when you come to that 412 is a little bit different. You know, that door always open. Um, we didn't have the luxury like other teams had or organizations had, Mark, but we did have one thing, and that was each other. And we worked, you know. So everybody who came, who was drafted by Pittsburgh, everybody who left another team and came to Pittsburgh, um, everybody said the same thing. Uh, we see why. And, and what I mean by that, like, we see why y'all win all the time. We see the mm-hmm. brotherhood. Like, I've been on this team for 10 to 12 years. I come to your team for two years, and it's just a totally different feel. I didn't get this acknowledgement at this organization, but I'm getting all this acknowledgement at, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I didn't heard all the stories. So I was just very fortunate enough to get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers and have stories from, from, from other players coming from other teams. And it was like they see why, you know, we played away. We play. It's genuine. It's genuine. So yeah, yeah you can keep the brand. Jerry can keep his brand. Uh, probably one of the, the highest ranked uh, uh, organizations when it comes down to money. And the man is a businessman, so you got to tip his hat off to them. I just know in that four one two, we worry about each, each other and hoisting them Lombardis. Like going back to the seventies, like the stories you would have. Just go by position group, right? Frenchy Fuqua had goldfish in his shoes, live goldfish. Rocky Blyer fighting in the Vietnam War, getting shot in the leg, almost couldn't even walk again, comes back and is a key player on the 70s teams. If you want to go the defensive line, me and Joe Green, I can't remember if this was after his first or second year, was so mad after one, I think it was the regular season finale for the Steelers, took the ball, just chucked it in the stands and walked off the field because he was so angry. Like, I could keep going. I mean, Fats Holmes shooting at a police helicopter during a chase. Like, there are so many things, and and I would encourage any of our listeners and viewers, if you want to know more about the 70s Steelers, uh, their life's work. It's a great book that details a lot of this in terms of what built the foundation of what we know the Pittsburgh Steelers of today. It's something that I don't think that the current generation really, really knows about in terms of when you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, how that foundation really began in the 1970s with Mean Joe Green and company. But like, there are so many different storylines you could follow if it was Netflix or HBO or a streaming service, cable service, wanted to do a full documentary about just, it was just a totally different era, Ike. Yeah, it's, it's a few things I can't say. Um, it's it's been it's been movies, um, documentaries where they talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers in the seventies and how they used to party. 
and the life they lived back in the day. Uh, there was rock stars. There was rock stars before football players can be rock stars, I will say. Um, chopping it and sitting down on with the late great R.P. Franco Harris, the Mel Blunts, the Rocky Blyers, just just uh, the Websters, the Terry Bradshaws, just just chopping it down, uh, just sitting down and listening to these stories. Um, it's a few things you can't repeat, Mark, because a lot of people get in trouble. A lot of people get in trouble right now, but. From what you just said, from from shoes with goldfish in them to shooting at a police helicopter, <laughs> yeah. uh, to smoke even even back, you know, you know, uh, three River, three River Stadium had uh, cigarette ashtrays in a locker, so they they were built they were just built a little bit different. So picture, you know, you, you probably you know halftime you smoking a Marlboro or a Camel stick, then you're going back on the second half and you playing football like it was just different back in the day. Mark, so there is the, the 70s still is man. There was rock stars before rock stars. Uh their mindset was different, and it's a reason why them boys, you know, won three, four, five championships at a time. You know, that's that's just they started they started this for me. They started this for us, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were the pioneers on what you want to call a dynasty back in the 70s. Ike, you brought another story to mind when we had Craig Wolfley on, and he was telling us about an unnamed Chiefs lineman where after the game at Three River Stadium, they had the famous sauna <clears throat> where they go and enjoy a few beverages after the game. And the Chiefs lineman gets so carried away that he ends up missing his own team bus after the fact. That same sauna, I forget which players, one of the players' moms was at the game, and they say, hey, do you want to come in the sauna with us? And the mom is sharing a time with the sauna, bonding with the players after the fact. Like, you can't make that up. And it was different. And one no social media back in the day. And one no, it, it, it was, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 can share, I can share plenty of stories and we got plenty of time, even in the early 2000s, but you can only imagine, only imagine back in the seventies, how them boys live. Yeah. So kudos to Jerry Jones. I will end up watching this. Ike. it's going to yeah, be yeah. terrific, but I'm just thinking about this from Pittsburgh standpoint. I hope the Steelers get their due and I'm sure that they will, but uh, go back and read history. And it's just like totally different era. Um, Ike, that's a full show here on today's believe in Steelers show. I'm excited in the coming weeks. We'll have guests on in advance of training camp preseason. We're still about a month away. Uh, right. Got to get through these next few weeks. I, I am dying for football, but I want to thank you. The believe network today's presenting sponsor BetOnline.ag. If you're watching this on YouTube, please tap that subscribe button. If you're listening on a podcast, please leave us a five-star review, Apple stitcher, Spotify, all the different platforms. But Ike, again, thank you. You're the absolute best. This is always a delight for me each and every week. Yeah, appreciate betonline.ag for rocking with Mark and I since day one. I want to appreciate you too, Mark. I want to thank everybody behind the scenes that believe in still a podcast as well. And got to thank our fans and followers for always tuning in to us. Make sure y'all give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned. We got a lot more to come. New season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Watch Kenny Pickett and company and Minka work the defense with Cam Hayward. 
For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching the Believe in Steelers show. We will be back next week. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.